Hello, I'm Dennis Prager, and I'm a millionaire, and, and public speaker, radio host, media conglomerate, Dennis Prager. And I'm here to tell you the things that America, that the liberal media won't tell you about America. First of all, America has the biggest penis in the world. This is a thing that other that the liberal media is just too afraid to tell you. They want to hide how big America's penis is from you. They want to lie to you about other things. Obviously, the Marxists want your daughters to marry black people and make sure that the white population slowly diminishes in America. Obviously, the liberal media also wants to do things like make you gay. This, in fact, Spreading gayness is the number one thing that other media wants you to do. Fortunately, here at Prager U, we don't want those things. We want you to remember that America has a huge penis, that marital rape's not a real thing, and that if it wasn't for Jesus, a religion I don't follow because I'm Jewish, all of y'all would be out there raping people. Don't don't blame me, I'm just the one telling you the truth. Without Jesus, you'd all be murderous, rapist animals. Now, I don't need Jesus, because I'm Jewish. The other thing about Prager U is that I hire experts who aren't experts in anything. Because who can trust academia? I know I can't. Academia's like when your wife says, No, not tonight, honey. I have a headache. Prager U is here to remind you of the good things of America, specifically the 50s, a time period in our history where I was a small child. And I don't remember it the best, but to me, it seemed like the best time to be alive. So please, subscribe to Prager University. It's like an education, except we're your teachers, and there's no degree and you don't have to pay unless you're subscribed to our premium service because YouTube blocks some of our videos when they're full of lies. Remember, I'm Dennis Prager. I hate the mainstream media even though I'm a millionaire media conglomerate. Keep going to church, y'all. back to Ruben Uncut. Today's topic, Prager You and why they're liars. Or better, Prager You, how they distort reality for their viewers. So what is, so before we get into it here, let's just jump right in. What is Prager You? Well, Prager You. <laughs> Prager You is a fake university. Uh, I mean, that's what it stands for, Prager University, which is interesting because they're not a university. They don't offer real classes, and they don't have a campus you can go to. I don't think they offer any degrees that I'm aware of. And if they did, I don't know what the fuck those degrees would be worth, because they're full of shit. What we're going to be doing today is watch, is I'm going to go through a Prager U video. Don't worry. If there's anything visual that requires describing, I'll describe it to you, even though, honestly, I highly suspect that there won't be. Um, so, 
we're going to be going through this video and breaking down how it's misleading and how it's a distortion of reality and understanding. This is propaganda made to designed to make you think a specific way. These are all messages that have been prepared for you and paid for by super wealthy Americans. You know, the elite. The right-wing elite pay for this video to exist. It's part of what they do. It's about, I'll be using this word a lot, distortion. Why does anyone still care about Marxism? Karl Marx has been dead for well over a century. Everywhere Marxism has been tried. Okay, so just back up there. First of all, that first argument is nonsense. Why should we care about a guy who's been dead for a century? Bitch. People care about Jesus, and he died 2,000 years ago. I don't know what the fuck you think you're doing with this. Let's go into his next statement. By the way, this is someone named Brad Thompson, who, you know, just looks like your average conservative doctor person. Not like a professor, but you know, like someone who tells you that you should get your foreskin done, uh, removed because, you know, they're old and they don't understand modern medicine. It has left death and destruction in its wake. In fact, nothing in the last thousand years comes close to the amount of tyranny, terror, and mass murder brought about by Marxist regimes. Okay, so there's a lot to unpack there. And I don't even know if I can properly explain it all at this point in the video about what was wrong with that. First of all, he's, in, he's interchangeably using the word Marxist and the word communist. And I'm going to tell you right now, technically, you can't do that. Marxism speaks to a very specific theory. And almost none of the communist governments that have been set up throughout history have followed anything that Marx said. I mean, specifically Marx. They may have listened to other communist theorists but the person they ignored was Marx. If they had paid attention to Marx, they would have known that they were going to fail. Also, the, the, suggestion, the suggestion that communism is the source of most tyranny, terror, and mass murder in the world ignores the fact that most of the 20th century's problems were fallout from a much worse thing that existed before it, known as colonialism. And Almost everything in the 20th century was an effect, was essentially the out, the, the falling out of, of that sort of, of the imperialistic method of going around the world and colonizing other places and stealing their resources. Hell, we don't fucking talk about this, but at one point, the king of Belgium in the early 20th century committed a genocide that was almost three times as large as the genocide committed by Hitler, but we don't talk about it because he did it in Africa. And he did that in the name of imperialism and the name of colonization and the name of capitalism, even if we didn't call it capitalism at that point. Actually, wait, we did have capitalism then, didn't we? But the point is, is that he's making vague allusions to the idea of the negative impacts of what are essentially dictatorial regimes that claim to be communist. And if we're going to real and he's also not giving us any real numbers as he claims that the numbers are higher. There's no comparison here to make. He's not comparing those numbers to the numbers of other forms of tyranny. He's not 
comparing them to anything. He's just telling you that they're the worst without and expecting you to believe him. Because, you know, he looks like your grandpa or some shit. Yet Marxism lives. It may present itself today as postmodernism, multiculturalism, feminism, environmentalism, or critical race theory. Okay, so right there, <laughs> whoa, there's so much to unfucking pack here. And I don't know nearly enough about some of these topics to truly get into it. But I can knock the first one out of the fucking park. Right here is literally conservatives throwing words at you and trying to make them sound scary. The first one on the list, of course, being postmodernism, which is interesting that he would accuse anything connected to Marx of being postmodern, when you consider that Marx was a modernist. And not only that, but Marx, Darwin, and Freud are considered the fathers of modernism. Modernism refers to the philosophies and ideas based around early industrialism. Modernism refers to these thoughts on how industrialism moved into our society and the cultural construction, the cultural constructs based around modernism. Freud, Darwin, and Marx suggested that human beings were biological, Darwin, psychological, Freud, and economical, Marx. And that's the easiest way to explain modernism. Marx is not a postmodernist because Marx is a materialist. And materialism cannot technically, materialism doesn't really apply to postmodernism. Because postmodernism, in terms of political ideas, basically is just the concept, and this is very much oversimplifying it, but postmodernism in, in regards to politics is the idea that everything in politics is a construct and therefore anything in politics can be reformed or changed. That's postmodernism with politics. Its application to other forms of culture are different, but that would be the easiest way I could sum up postmodernism. I, the only, the only really strong postmodernist um, actual like policy I'm aware of is the idea that borders don't matter, and I'm not saying that's good or bad. But to call Marx a post, to refer to postmodernism and Marx in the same sentence just doesn't actually make any sense. These things have been smacked together to make them scary for you because they undermine traditionalist values. To be fair, though, traditionalism is a rejection of modernism as well. Everything that is good about modernism, and I'm not saying there's a ton of things, is in a way a move away from traditionalism, which Prager U is typically in favor of. But once again, they're just using these words to scare you. The next word is multiculturalism, which of course refers... Oh, I keep smacking this lamp. It's driving me crazy. Okay, now the lamp has been dismantled. All right, so multiculturalism Multiculturalism, to briefly sum it up here, is simply the idea that a country can contain multiple cultures. Uh, and this is 100% true. In fact, America proves this concept. America is multicultural. Multiculturalism is thrown out as a scare tactic, is a scare tactic and, you know, 
white supremacist dog whistle. Because multiculturalism would, of course, make it difficult to justify traditionalism. Because whose traditions do you put at the top? Of course, white people want it to be white, white culture. Of course, the irony of white people and white culture is that white culture itself is a multiculturalist melting pot of just taking all the different white cultures and jamming them into one homogenous mass. That's what white culture has become. It's not really relevant. And multi and is essentially the product of multiculturalism. White people have forgotten their their roots in their Anglo roots, their Celtic roots, their Gallic roots, their their Scandinavian roots in America. And therefore have become afraid of anything outside of their own multiculture. And the way they're distinguishing that is non-white cultures. You never hear someone complaining about the cultures of another white country, do you? No one ever says, oh, I don't, I don't want those Scandinavians coming to America. They might, they might change our culture with their obsession of Vikings and their gun control laws. You don't hear that. <laughs> now do you? Oh, no, more Irish. Oh, I can't. God, I hope they take their potatoes and get the fuck out. Yeah, multiculturalism is a this is just a white supremacist dog whistle. They want to scare you here. They want this word to sound scary. Feminism. Oh my god. Okay. Look. When I was in theater, his, when I was in theater, I studied feminist playwriting and I learned some about that stuff. I don't remember all of it from back in, in college, but the fear of feminism is nonsense. Feminism is merely the concept that there are other perspectives in the world than the masculine perspective. Feminism believes simply that other viewpoints should be put forward besides just men's. And specifically, just patriarchal men who fit into manly stereotypes. The world should be more than just a man's stereotype leading the way. That's, that's what feminism is. Feminism is the idea that everyone's perspective has a value. What a, what a fascist concept. Ugh. Environmentalism. Of course, you got to throw in the environmentalism here because you have to make environmentalism sound scary because you have because that's what the oil companies are paying you money to do that's what the waste dumping industries are paying you to do that's what that's what all the companies who won't benefit from alternative more environmentally friendly things are paying you to do prager you Environmentalism has to be scary because corporations hate it and they're scared of it because it costs them money protecting you, the human who has to live in this environment. And of course, there's critical race theory, which I've already talked a lot about on the show and how the, the fear of critical race theory is just nonsense. Now, could Marxism have influence these concepts? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. However, 
they themselves are not, nothing here is inherently Marxist. Many of them take Marxist elements as a starting point and then jump off into wildly different directions. To sit around and try to equate these terms with Marxism is an attempt to make all these words sound scary so that you will turn them into buzzwords in your brain and forget how to critically analyze them. That's what this is for. They're distorting your ability to critically analyze. But it's still Marxism. No, it's not. I just explained that. No, it's not. So, there must be good reasons why it has endured, even flourished in the face of unremitting failure. Say what you will about Marx the economist. He was a master psychologist. I don't, I don't know if that's even remotely true. Like, I don't know enough about Marx's personal life. I think they're just trying to make you think he was brainwashing people. He recognized that there are many people in every society who are motivated by envy and resentment. Marx speaks directly to them. He tells them that the responsibility for the misery in their lives belongs to the capitalist system. If we can just get rid of that, he promises, we can eliminate poverty, inequality, exploitation, class conflict, war, and alienation. Okay, 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 we gotta... Okay, we exploitation, gotta... class conflict, war, and alienation. Okay, so first of all, this, this claim right here is not accurate. Uh, Marx was not a utopian. Marx didn't believe you could completely eliminate the problems of society. He's not saying you have to get rid of capitalism to get rid of these things. He's saying that capitalism is directly tied to these things. And that's true. If you really get a conservative or, a, or capitalist to have a full conversation with you, you will eventually arrive at the point where they feel that poor people are necessary to society because you need someone to want to do the jobs that no one else wants to do, which, by the way, is coercion. And inequality and poverty directly tie into each other. In fact, on a certain level, from a Marxist perspective, I'm not sure why these are separate here. Unless we're talking about class, ex about class differences, which is still technically tied to the poverty question. Also, it is undeniable that capitalism is exploitative. The amount of people in the world living and struggling and putting their energy into the dreams and ideas of others is massive. In fact, arguably, that is the majority of workers, people putting their life's energy into the ideas of others while those other people are exploiting them for the labor itself. Class conflict? <laughs> of course class conflict is tied to capitalism, you fucking idiots. Because capitalism denotes that class is necessary. Otherwise you can't get people to clean out the toilets. War, <laughs> War has long been tied to making money and profit. Alienation? Of course you're alienated. In capitalism, you are handed money instead of meaning. Money is a poor substitute for meaning. Since we are told to spend our whole lives working for money instead of meaning, people become 
alienated. Marx didn't think we could eliminate these things completely. Marx just believed that capitalism benefited from these things and made these things necessary in society. Let's move along. Not a bad list if you're looking to start a revolution. But there's more. Mar Technically, Marx never actually started a revolution. He inspired other people who started revolutions, but basically he just wrote a bunch of books when he was drunk. Marxism assures us that this socialist utopia is close at hand. No. Just, what? First of all, Marx, not a utopian. Not a, he didn't believe in that. That's tying these concepts together is deliberately, and also socialism is not a utopia either. Okay? So let's take a moment here. What did Marx actually think capitalism, socialism, and communism were? Well, he thought that they were evolutionary stages in our society. Essentially, you have capitalism to begin with, which is just chaos, and it, which is kind of chaotic, but it builds infrastructure. And once you have the infrastructure, you're supposed you reach socialism, wherein the infrastructure's control is given over to those who actually maintain and do the work with the infrastructure. In other words, you give the means of production to the people who to the labor, allowing them to maintain the infrastructure. And that is socialism. The thing about socialism is is that socialism still exists in a system it still exists in a system with markets and money. Communism is the final stage. A, a stage, it should be noted, that Marx wasn't ever actually sure was 100% possible. But the, communist con but the concept of communism, or communism as Marx saw it, was in fact a form of anarchy, wherein labor... Would, there would be no government, there would be no money, and there would be no banks. All there would be is people working together to make sure that everyone's needs were met, which is, which I think is a good thing because needs are objective. And all this slander with words is subjective. But the other thing that's important is that in, com in Marxist communism, there is no state. There is no government. At, by the time you reach labor controlling the means of production, you have removed the government and its money. So no, no communist country in the world has ever achieved true Marxist communist, communism because no communist government in the world has either A, had the proper infrastructure to facilitate socialism, or B, have never gotten to the stage where they were like, yeah, we'll surrender the government to the people. It just never has happened. Therefore, Marxism, regardless of your feelings on communism itself, can definitively be said never to have been done. Available to all, not in some distant future or in the next life, but here and now. So what's going on there is he's conflating two ideas without telling you what the ideas are. The first one is the idea of socialism being an idea to create heaven on earth and him referring to, uh, and him referring to the heaven in the afterlife. The concept being is that he's trying to paint 
This is an otherworldly expectation of society. All we have to do is overcome one little obstacle, human nature. Which, by the way, it's, it's actually very funny to me that he would make this argument. And I hear this argument all the time. Oh, communism goes against human nature. But according to the argument for religion, the message of religion is to go against human nature. And you're probably thinking, what? No, it is. Because human, like, even on Prager U, like, Dennis fucking Prager himself will come out and be like, yeah, we, there weren't, we didn't have religion. Men would be out there raping. It's the thing that he's actually said. And the thing about that argument is that that argument is that religion is about controlling your human nature. In fact, honestly, that's kind of what civilization is about, controlling your human nature. Because deep down in the animal part of your brain, you want to run around with your dick out, slapping people, hitting everyone who disagrees with you, and basically being a, on a, on a deeper level, a primal level, the human nature sucks. And most people are dicks until they grow empathy. So the fact that the Bible is full of commandments means that it is an active thing for curbing human nature. So the argument that human nature, socialism can't work because it goes against human nature. Well, yeah, forming a society is about going against the animal side of our human nature, the selfish lizard brain. That's what society's about. To throw this up is to dishonestly ignore the fact that this is true of every other thing that's ever been thought. Marx expressed his deepest views on this subject in his Economic and Philosophical Manuscripts of 1844. They can be summed up in one phrase, the enemy of being is having. In other words, the desire to own things makes you a bad person. That's not what that means. That's not what... Oh, my God. No. So... What it, so what Marx is saying is more of a Buddhist concept. He's not, it's not a moral judgment. It's saying you suffer because you want things. And that's literally Buddhism 101. You suffer because you want things. This wanton, materialistic need to buy things hurts your soul, bitches. It doesn't make you a bad person. It's a self-inflicted pain. However, you're not to blame. The blame belongs to capitalism. Technically true. Technically true. Capitalism incentivizes material, um, essentially material accumulation. Capitalism emphasizes the idea that your freedom is related to the amount of money that you have. And your amount of status is related to how much wealthier you look than your fellow neighbors. Capitalism directly incentivizes the idea of owning and possession because it tells you that's all that's real. The most common interpretation of Marx's philosophy suggests that he opposed capitalism because it creates an unjust world of inequality, exploitation, and class conflict. Okay, so right there. Okay, 
Marx didn't actually oppose capitalism entirely. Marx actually thought that capitalism was a necessary step towards socialism. So to say that Marx opposed capitalism is not technically true. And yes, those things you listed are problems with capitalism. Marxism, according to this view, is all about equalizing income and social status. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. Status. Okay, so right there, the concept that Marxism is about equalizing income and social status is just not true. That's blatant, like, they're throwing Keynesian economics at you and trying to pretend that it's Marxism. It's horseshit. First of all, <clears throat> first of all, Marx never says anything but income equality because Marx believes that the final state has no source of income. His goal is to eliminate money altogether, which wouldn't make it equal. It would just, actually, he doesn't even have a goal. This is just a theory. Saying, calling it a goal is misleading. I apologize. But also, if you actually read Marx's text, it literally says in Marx's texts, to each according to their need, which implies if, need, if income is part of the need in your society, that the income people would receive would be based on their needs. So it wouldn't necessarily lead to an equal distribution of income because not everyone's need for income would be the same. Also, Social status is a real problem, but social status is not actually directly connected to these theories. And Marx didn't actually believe you could completely eliminate social status. Once again, they're trying to, right here, they're trying to oversimplify the concept of what Marxism and communism is. They're throwing all kinds of communist theories together to confuse you and make them all sound the same. This is true but it doesn't no it's not no it's not you fucking lying face bitch go far enough marx saw the accumulation of material wealth as dehumanizing because it is it is dehumanizing are you kidding me have you ever have you ever listened to rich people talk have you ever had a conversation with really rich people and i don't mean like I don't mean like, you know a guy and he's a fairly successful small business owner, rich people, although some of those people are out of touch too. But like millionaires and billionaires and politicians and these people who are much wealthier than us, if you talk to them, it can become very clear that they are out of touch with the rest of humanity. And they, at numerous times, they, despite having everything, seem to have lost any sort of empathy or sympathy for those that don't have anything. So yeah, I'd say the accumulation of material wealth can be dehumanizing. The more money and material- Although I'm not actually sure Marx said that. I'd have to look it up. Real possessions one acquires, the more estranged one is from his true humanity. Uh, yeah, yeah, because owning material goods um, doesn't make you a better person. Uh, I'm not saying it makes you a bad person, but if all you care about is owning things well then how do you feel about your family how do you feel about everyone else you know like where do the things come in between you and your relationships and what was that in the philosopher's socialist paradise one gets to eat drink and go to the theater free of charge and without 
having to earn a living. Best of all, you get to do it without the guilt of being a moocher. All you have to do is enjoy yourself. Okay, so first of all, I want you to remember that he gave this example here because it's going to become important later in the video. Literally, he just defined Marxism as being able to live the life that you want and do anything that you want. All you have to do in, is enjoy yourself is sort of an oversimplification of the concept, though. And we'll talk more about this as the video goes on. But what he's describing is a moneyless society without really seeming to understand what he's describing. Or, as Marx put it, you can do one thing today and another tomorrow. Hunt in the morning, fish in the afternoon, and rear cattle in the evening. Yes. Okay, so just for context, what he just described is literally the Greek definition of freedom. Greeks define freedom as the amount of leisure time that you have or the ability to do whatever you chose to do. That's how Greeks that's how the ancient Greeks defined freedom. Just want to point that out right here. Rear cattle in the evening. That's how in touch Marx was with reality. But literally he just described a guy being a farmer. I I don't know how to out of touch with reality this is. Who cleans out the sewers? does the dirty jobs that keep a society functioning. Uh, so Marx does say that we need these people. And the fact of the matter is, is that the concept of needing these people, society does need these people. But in capitalism, we basically just throw money at these people without giving them any type of credit. People who do these jobs are typically looked down on in our society. People would probably be more up to doing these jobs if we lived in a society that focused on meaning and recognize that these people who do the dirty jobs are heroes who keep our society moving. Ironically, in the evil capitalist society, the sewer cleaner freely chooses to take on his job. Uh, does he? Does he? Does, does he freely choose to take on that job or does he do it for money and benefits that he needs to survive in a capitalist society? Do you know many people who are just like, I want, that's what I want to do with my future, clean the sewers. Like, in a world where there's no respect given to that job and we don't recognize how heroic that job is, why would a child grow into an adult and actively choose to do this job if they could choose to do anything else in a capitalist society? Well, the answer is, because uh, they need the money and benefits to survive. That's called coercion. In the socialist paradise, coercion is almost always required. So let's talk about that for a minute. For, first of all, first of all, socialists still exist. Socialism would still exist in the system of markets and money. So these jobs would still be employed. And also, in a socialist society, the sewer cleaners would actually also be the owners of the sewers. So that they would have more freedom of choice when it came to how, main, how to maintain them. So this is a directly misleading concept that he's going with here. Um, now, the concept that socialism would require... Would always require 
this sort of, uh, oh my God, I'm having a brain fart on the word. To take oh, on his job. Jesus. In the socialist paradise, coercion is almost always required. But as I've just referred to, capitalism itself is a form of coercion. In a socialist society, the sewer worker would choose to be part of the sewer union, and they would own the sewers together. It would be their domain. And they would... So, and that... It, <clears throat> he's painting a false picture of coercion. Weirdly... By the way, fun weird fact, though, in the Soviet Union, it was illegal to be unemployed, which could be what he's referring to. But once again, the SSSR was not a socialist paradise, and it sure wasn't Marxist. Marx never bothered with such messy details. He left that to others. Unfortunately, those others always turn out to be megalomaniacs, like Lenin, Stalin, Mao, Castro, Pol Pot, and Hugo Chavez. So yeah, let's just point to a bunch of a bunch of fascists who uh, didn't. Many of them were not super well educated and didn't understand why a Marxist revolution wouldn't work in their countries. Especially Pol Pot, who lived in an agrarian society. They were never going to be successfully transitioned to socialism. What were they even fucking thinking? They were the ones who brought Marx to life and in the process caused tens of millions to suffer and die. So right there, brought Marx to life in what way? In what way? In what way? In what way? That's like saying... That's like saying... Uh, that's like saying that the, uh, the film adaptation of the movie Aragon really bought, brought the dwarves from the book to life. Oh, wait, they cut out the dwarves from the book? For the movie? Oh, no shit. The, the point is, is that, like, you can't say they brought Marx to life when they literally just took the bare minimum of the concept of communism to install themselves as leaders of the state. Contrary to Marx's claims, work freely chosen brings both money and dignity. <sighs> work freely chosen. First of all, most people in America don't freely choose their work. They take a job because they have to, because they have bills to pay and mouths to feed. That's not work freely chosen. That's surviving. And many jobs do not offer you both money and dignity. In fact, many jobs will ask you to choose between those things in capitalism. We live in a society where the poor are looked down on, even though many of them are working, just without any dignity. Furthermore, most people work best when they pursue their own self-interest. You mean like how Marx was describing in his example of people pursuing their own self-interest in, under Marxism? Like that? Oh my God. Jesus Christ, Prager, do you even watch your own fucking videos? An idea Marx despised. Literally! Marx, you read a Marx quote where he described how great it would be to do it, to, to choose things for yourself. It, like, if, if you fall for this, you're a fuck, you're an idiot. To him, self-interest turns everyone into Ebenezer Scrooge. 
okay. So, yeah, here's the thing. Um, self-interest, I believe that life is a balance. You need a certain level of self-interest, but there is a point at which your level of self-interest is damaging to the people around you and society. If you're actively always choosing yourself over others, you're, it's going to be very hard for you to effectively manage society or make a positive contribution. Greedy, grasping, and unfeeling. Not only is money, that is capital, inherently corrupting, but the acquisition... I mean, money is clearly inherently corrupting. ...of it can't be done on... I'm sorry, that wasn't a real argument I just made. It's just... Honestly or fairly, the rich got rich by exploiting the worker. For True. Marx, there's no other possible explanation. Because there isn't another possible explanation. Because to accumulate real wealth in a massive amount of time requires you to work with other people. The amount of things in the world that can generate real wealth on your own as an individual without the assistance of labor is such a marginal amount. In fact, most of the things that allow you to do that didn't even exist until the digital age. And even then, it's a marginal amount. Most people, most people, if you, if your path to money involves making a sellable product that requires manufacturing, you're going to have to involve other people in that, in that system. You can't just have, I can be like, I can have the greatest idea for a Batman action figure, but that won't change, that won't make that thing exist if I can't finance or find people to produce it. For many today, there is no other possible explanation. For these people, Marx offers a philosophical justification for their anger, even their rage. From generation to generation, the formula never varies. Only by bringing the privilege down can the underprivileged be brought up. Okay, so this is a blatant misrepresentation of the concept. Okay, it's not about bringing down the people at the top. It's about making sure that resources are distributed in a way that actually makes fucking sense to helping people live and survive. There are clearly people in the world who have more resources and are hoarding resources, and that's a problem. I'm looking at you, fucking Jeff Bezos. When people hoard re resources are finite. In fact, under most capitalist principles, we understand that because scarcity is equal to the value in our society under capitalism. Therefore... As people hoard things, they are pulling them away from the rest of society. This is not fucking hard. The venom that pours out of Marx's pen stems ultimately from the fact that reality... Okay, so right there, the venom that pours out of Marx's pen. This is an emotional statement. It's trying to engage you emotionally. It has no, it has no valuable information in it other than the fact that they want you to perceive Marx as an angry, vindictive son of a bitch. Reality wouldn't conform. I'm not saying he wasn't, but the point is how they're framing it here is is a deliberate manipulation. To his worldview, it never seems to have occurred to him that people are complex beings with different talents, ambitions. No, communism understands that. 
And that's what... It's, it's like literally he's forgotten that entire Marxist quote he said earlier in the video. ...and desires. It may be more accurate to say he didn't care. If people... Once again, painting an emotional understanding simply to make you feel like Marx is that dehumanizing cold person that he's claiming Marx sees you as. This is a deliberate attempt to alienate you from the person and the concept, which works on an emotional, not rational level. People wouldn't conform to his worldview voluntarily, then the state would just have to use other methods of persuasion. Marx, the final state of Marxist communism has no state. It has zero states. There's no state in it. There's no government in it. So to suggest that Marx wanted the government to be coercive to you is, is, a, is a nonsense statement. Like murder and terror. I've never seen, I've never, like, I, I'm not the 100% the best ever read Marxist, but like, I have, I've never heard him endorse that. And if you can find that quote and send it to me, I will read it on, on this fucking uh, podcast, but I've never heard that shit. I've never, like, what the fuck are you even talking about? It all made sense to the philosopher as he toiled away in a corner of the British Museum or in his squalid London apartment. What is astonishing is... He was poor. He was poor, that's true. Is ...that millions came to believe him. What is tragic is that millions more suffered and died because they did. What is scary is that millions continue to believe. I'm Brad Thompson. Right there. Like, honestly, that last, that sentence right there should actually tell you everything you need to know about this. Brad Thompson wants you to be concerned that this concept and ideology is dangerous. Even though it's more of a philosophy written by a guy who just liked to get drunk and write about what he thought was wrong with the world. Marx himself has even said that he does not consider himself a Marxist. The idea here is to make you afraid make you afraid that there is this thing called Marxism that is coming to take your society away from you. Professor of political science at Clemson University for Prager University. Oh my God. How are you a professor of political science and you have this poor an understanding of Marxism? Holy shit. Holy shit. Holy fucking shit. Oh my God. That makes me think this has to be deliberate. He is, he's not just an ignorant fool. He's not just a useful idiot. He is an outright propagandist. He is a liar. He is deliberately distorting. That confirms it. See that? He's the dumbest professor ever. Fucking tenure. University. In a remarkably short period of time, the philosophy Wait. of Karl Marx... Why is there an ending in the middle of the video? What the... What the fuck? changed the course of history at the height true that's true he invented modernism modernism of its power half the world fell under its dominion kept there by a combination no nowhere in the world has ever fallen under marxist dominion you know he's not even the only communist writer literally this is about generating scary buzzwords of fear terror and brute force 
Then well, now we're just repeating ourselves over some shit. Suddenly, in the late 1980s, it imploded. I mean, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta say it more than once to make to get the fear in the people. By all rights, this should have been the end of Marxism, but it hasn't turned out that way. Okay, when he says Marxism imploded, he literally, he's really means the Berlin Wall fell. It's not. <sighs> From environmentalism with its rejection of free markets to critical race. So right there, he actually just he just said the quiet part out loud. Environmentalism of its rejection with free markets, which basically means, hey, we don't think we should regulate things no matter how dangerous they are to our environment. That's that's what that means. Jesus Christ. By the way, this, this thing is just filled with terrible cartoons I don't at any point feel are worth describing to you. Race theory, which sees white people. Patriarchy is the source of all evil. That's... Look, man, I'm not... I did not study critical race theory in college, but I can tell you, just based on the bare minimum that I have learned about it, that everything he just described there is horseshit. Critical race theory is, first of all, not even about patriarchy. It's about how the systems of our society have built-in flaws that damage other it, it, to call it the source of all like critical race theory doesn't even posit things as good or evil just as outcomes this is like literally this is just distortion this is literally just distortion jesus christ how are you this ignorant and a professor you'll find marxism at its root the lead Critical race theory does have some, the uh, some of its theorists do have some of their roots in Marxism. That being said, critical race theory is pure, it's almost entirely just about systems and their outcomes, and it, it's irrelevant. Leaders of Black Lives Matter, for example, openly acknowledge their devotion to Marxist ideology. I, I've not fully looked into this because I don't care. Um... If some of the people in Black Lives Matter uh, are Marxist, I, I'm not threatened by that. Okay? I'm not, I'm not threatened by that at all. How do we explain this fascination for something that has so utterly failed everywhere it's been put into practice? How can we, how can we, how can we defend Christianity when Christianity has yet to solve the world's problems that has led to so much death and destruction. See, anyone can do this. Anyone can do, any, like, just pick a thing and be like, how can we be in favor of this thing that's caused so much death and destruction? Guys, are you aware of how many people have been killed by dihydrogen monoxide? Oh my God. We can find answers in one of Marx's most enduring epigrams. From each according to his ability, to each according to his needs. Mar oh my God! It's like he's not even. How can you? How can you quote things that are in direct con conflict with the way you described things earlier? It's it's baffling. It's just philosophically incoherent. Marx was a poor economist, but a talented journalist. The only a poor economist, literally one of the people who invented the concept of economics, you 
fucking tool bag. The actual job he ever had. He knew how to turn a phrase. But what does this slogan even mean? You mean turn a phrase like you've been turning a phrase throughout this whole video as you clearly distort the meaning of both science, I'm sorry, not science, of, of language? You fucking, you fucking white-haired, glasses-wearing little bitch. According to what ability? According to what need? And who determines... Oh, my God. Okay, so right there. All oh, right, okay, right there. This is where I'm going to lose my fucking mind. Because right there, he's literally... So here's the thing, though. Ability and need are things that are measurable. They are objective. We can take a person and train them and learn how they learn and figure out what they're good at. That's a measurable fucking thing. So that's ability. It's objective. It's not subjective like he's trying to present it here. And then you have need. Need is also objective. People objectively have needs and we can measure them their need for the things that they need via outcomes and consequences to themselves. These are objective, measurable things. And right now, he's going to try and point, paint them to you as if they are subjective. As if they are just a matter of opinion. But ability and need are some of the only things in the world that are fucking objective. determines anyone's ability or anyone's need. Marx never bothered to answer the these obvious questions because it is obvious you fucking idiot those things are objective objective do you know what objective means he had much bigger things on his mind don't answer themselves nothing less than the creation of an entirely new kind of world for an entirely new kind of human being you mean like every a major civilization advancement throughout the history of the world? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Do you not understand that America itself was the creation of a new, an entirely new kind of world for an entirely new kind of human being? We were a fucking massive democracy, a multi-state democracy that was brought together not by colonialism but you know a loose version of democracy the concept and philosophies of america had never been implemented on this level anywhere in history america is that and for you to stand here and act like the creation of an entirely new kind of world for an entirely new kind of human being is some type of revolutionary or freakishly scary idea spits in the fucking face of america because that is America. America was that. We changed the fucking world. And you're going to stand here and be like, it's, and act like it's some kind of bizarre insanity to think that that thing could be possible. Fuck you. Marx believed that by altering man's economic and political institutions, he could alter, or even better, rewire the human brain. What? 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 Rewire the human... Okay, so, like, I think what's happening here, my best, my best guess at this man's 
whatever type of brain damage this man has, uh, is that he thinks... Well, well, Frank, well, first of all, yes, changing political institutions and economic situations will change people. Because people are affected. <laughs> Our environment is affected by those things. And whether you are a hardcore believer in environment versus of, of nurture versus nature doesn't really matter. I personally believe that we are both. So yeah, if you believe in nurture, then those things, I guess, would change the way people behaved and reacted? I guess? Is, is that what he's saying? Because the cartoon that goes with it is ridiculous. It's literally Marx putting his fingers in somebody's brain. And then there's another brain and a vat. Like, what the... Who... Like, the thing that's hilarious about Praise You cartoons is that they look... They're, they are they are straight-up corporate cartoons. They're, they look like the cartoons you have to watch in training videos when you work at, for a corpo. It's what? Terrible. He could conjure a new consciousness that would replace the old false one. I feel like if Marx ever said anything close to this, he was being metaphorical, you know, something that these flat-brained uh, conservatives would never understand. This new man would be less selfish and acquisitive and more altruistic and communal. In short... I'm sorry, why would, why would he be less inquisitive? And, and why did... Is, is Prager you suggesting that inquisitiveness is directly tied to capitalism? What the... I, I feel like people have been inquisitive... <clears throat> since, you know, the dawn of fucking time. He would be a superior type of man. Of course, this new man could only reach this goal if he wasn't... If you improve people's socioeconomic status and their options in life, it is more likely that they will make good choices than if you do not. Just, you know, that's why the Bible says... Don't give a man a fish, teach him to fish. Because giving a man a fish only gives him a meal. Teaching him to fish gives him the opportunity to have multiple meals and improve his general status of life in the future. Let's continue. And preoccupied with having to earn money, according to... Because, yeah, because being preoccupied with having to earn money is a huge distraction, both intellectually, emotionally, and if you believe in it, spiritually. Hell yeah, it's a huge distraction. Are you fucking kidding me? Do you know how many things I would have done with my life right now if I didn't have to worry about having a fucking job that pays me money? Yeah, it's a huge distraction. It's huge. To Marx, money and the pursuit of it ruined everything. Marx hated money. It does. If you're doing something just for the money, you probably shouldn't be doing that thing. I don't want a doctor who's just doing it for the money. I don't want a psychiatrist who's just doing it for the money. I don't want school teachers who are just doing it for the money. I wouldn't want a religious leader who was just doing it for the money. If you're just doing any of these jobs for the money, if you're doing... I wouldn't want police officers who are just doing it for the money. Many jobs in society are very important. And to base their value off of how much they get paid instead of how many people feel that they have a calling or an ability to do that job or feel like they could live a meaningful life doing that job, it's, an, it's a devastatingly inverted concept of 
how we should be building our society, doing those types of jobs that are extremely important just for the money, no wonder our outcomes are trash. Maybe because he never found a way to make it. Getting rid of it was central to his worldview. Okay. So right here is just the, uh, Marx was mad because he was poor. Stupid poor people. Getting all mad at us riches. Once a person's subsistence, one's daily bread, was distributed on the basis of need rather than greed, man's natural communal affections, long suppressed by his capitalist overlords, would be renewed. Which makes sense. Which makes sense. If you live in a society where there is no automatic people owing each other anything, then you're more likely to live in a society where people will be, le will be less inclined to deny giving you things. If all your needs have been met, you have no reason to victimize others. which will result in less resentment between people. Now, to be fair, I don't have data to prove that. But it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It just means I didn't Google it. This is Marx channeling the 18th century French social thinker Jean-Jacques Rousseau, one of the few people Marx admired. According to... So, uh, the thing that bothers me here is they, they're really just trying to be like, you shouldn't trust Marx because Marx was a dick. Don't, can't you hear it? He was a dick. <laughs> everyone, is, everyone at the turn of the 20th century was a dick, man. Rousseau, this is what you must do if you want to create a new society. He who dares to undertake the making of a people's institutions must feel himself capable of changing human nature, of transforming each individual who by himself is a complete and solitary whole into part of a larger whole from which what he's describing right now is society regardless of what we go with this is society which the individual receives his life and his being society understand this and you understand not only a key feature of marx's thought but the dark history of the 20th century. If you hear this, you understand society. Marx took Rousseau literally. Human nature had to be returned to its allegedly pure, selfless state before capitalism with its enlightenment and Judeo-Christian values. What? No, no. Okay, first of all, <laughs> <laughs> the Enlightenment was not necessarily pro-capitalism. We had mercantile capitalism during the Enlightenment. I, I, wait, no, I should check that. I'm not sure those timelines actually line up. But the point is, is that in lo the Enlightenment was based more on science and reason than Judeo-Christian values. And arguably, I would say, what, if there's anything in the world that has clearly been corrupted by capitalism, it is definitely Judeo-Christian values. Capitalism has wrecked fucking shit in the church. Holy shit. Oh my god. And which is bizarre because Jesus didn't say a lot of things that were pro-capitalist. 
Like, literally, like... The Bible itself, like the Judeo part, literally describes that it is a rich that it's a rich person's job in the community to make sure all the poor people are fed. That's in the fucking Old Testament, and it's even it's even it's there's even references to it in the New Testament. That was what they believed in. It sure as fuck doesn't look like that's what Judeo Christian values believe in now. Just. Fuck this man and his glasses. Also, why aren't you wearing a tie with a shirt that clearly needs a tie? Corrupted him. But creating this new man would be a formidable task. Marx anticipated that many would object, especially the owners and managers that... Uh, yeah, people object to everything. Wake up. ...had a large stake in the capitalist system. Oh, rich people would object to not being rich anymore? No shit. Literally, all they care about is being rich. Friendly persuasion. And if that's not true, rich people, feel free to give all your money to the poor. Persuasion wasn't going to get the job done. Only the ruthless application of state power would be up to the task. I... I, I just... What do I even say about this at this point? I've already said it like three times. And he, they're trying to... What they're doing is they're trying to make it so that you interpret communism as authoritarianism, regardless of how it's enacted. Marx was all for it. Private I prove that. Show some evidence. Show me a quote. Just show me something Marx said. Property, wage labor, competition and profits. The okay. No, actually, I'm going to hear what he's saying about this. These first. would have to go. Okay. So, let's talk about that set of words right there. The task. Marx was all for it. Private property, wage labor, competition and profits. Okay, so... <clears throat> so, well, first of all, let's talk about private property. Private property is property that is owned by a corporation, not the state. That's what private property is. You as a human being, under Marxism, still have a right to personal property. The idea that you can't own anything under Marxism is a horseshit lie. They're just using language to confuse the fuck out of you. Wage labor. Wage, we gotta talk about profits and wage labor. Wage labor is, wage labor is you getting paid the minimum of what your employer thinks they can get away with. That's what it is. Competition. There's no evidence that competition is positive, at least not in overall goal. You see, because what you have to understand is that what competition in a capitalist market system implies, the part they don't tell you, because the end game of capitalism is one guy who owns fucking everything, and everyone owes their shit to him. That's the end game of capitalism. That's what the competition's really about. Who can become the biggest, baddest corporation that ever existed and can control the most capital? That's the end game. Why do you think there's only like five major corporations in the world that own fucking everything? Because that's how many... Because that's who the war's currently between. Why do you think there's so much misleading data and information on diet and food? Because there's major corporations competing for your dollar. 
and they all want you to eat their food in your fucking diet. Profits. The concept of profits... First of all, socialism would not necessarily eliminate profits. It would just state that you need to share those profits amongst everyone involved. Which, you know, is fair since you need everybody involved to get the shit done. These would have to go. The state... Shut the fuck up. Now run by the workers themselves. The Not the state. Whatever... Whatever... Whatever industry or factory or, or service would be run by the people who work in it, the labor. Dictatorship of the proletariat, as Marx called it. Would I, so like, I feel like the dictatorship of the proletariat is actually kind of ironic because by definition, a democratic organization can't be a dictatorship. By definition, dictatorship would imply unitary executive power. I so I don't know. Maybe Marx, Marx is being maybe Marx is being ironic here. Maybe Marx was dumb about some things. I don't know. Would control production and pricing. It would wisely manage the economy. Wait a minute. How can there be production and pricing to control if we've gotten rid of money? What? It's it's, it's Jesus. From each according to his ability, to each according to his needs. Meaning you do what you know how to do, and you get, you get money, and you, you get what you need to live based on what your needs are. <sighs> oh my God. And imagine how wonderful it would be. No more ego, no more self-interest. Instead. Okay, Marx never said we had to get rid of ego or self-interest. Um, many people... This is, a, this is a thing. So, like, the weird divide over self-interest is a weird thing. Because you want, like, that part of you that is self-interested, you have to understand, that part of you is running on sur what I would call survival ethics. Self-interest is, is literally the part of you from back in the day when it was hard to survive. That's what that's there for. Self-interest is because once upon a time, it was hard as fuck to live. And you needed to care about yourself living a whole hell of a lot because, you know, a Viking might come to your house and rape and murder your whole family. <laughs> so you better be self-interested enough to fucking fight to live. But the reality of the matter is, is that that self-interest was also the same thing that drove the Viking to come to your village, destroy it, and enslave your people. That Viking self-interest led him to do that. So self-interest, the serial killer, is self-interested in murdering people. The child predator has a self-interest in molesting your children. The concept that self-interest is somehow this important, almost holy part of you forgets the fact that there are people in the world who are various types of predators. And predators are operating on their own self-interest over the interest of everyone around them. To, to, to ignore this and just say that self-interest is the most important thing in the world is to basically be like, yeah, the predators and the criminals are fucking right. 
it's that everybody working for the benefit of everybody else. Oh my God, what could possibly be wrong with that? Because if we're all working for each other, then everyone's getting the help they need. It, and our, oh my God, like they want you to make that sound bad, but they can't because objectively it is good. It would work if there weren't these self-interested predator dicks everywhere. Peace, love, and harmony. For me Oh my god. Oh, peace, love, and harmony. Yeah, no shit, brother. You mean those things that the Bible is always telling us are what we should be aiming for? Like the, the, the cognitive dissonance. It's mind-blowing. Many. It's a very seductive idea. Seductive idea. Who wouldn't aspire to live in such a world? Look, who wouldn't aspire to live in a world like the one Jesus described? Look around, a Marxist might say. The powerful exploit the weak, crushing the majority's noble aspirations. Your aspirations. True. True. Just so they can have more. It's unfair and unjust. How much better if we just start over? Start You wouldn't just start over because socialism and Marxism says you need the infrastructure. So you wouldn't just start over. You'd just change yourself moving forward. No need to start over. <laughs> we still need the fucking trains, you dick face. Clean. That's the Marxist socialist dream. No, it's not. It's not. How are you a political science professor? In real life, it's a nightmare. How would you know? Never been done. You could say communism has been done, but you cannot, you genuinely cannot say that Marxism has been done. Where's it been done? Say a place that's straight up Marxist. Where do we see the progress of the Marxist theory go from beginning to end? Where? Where? Marx didn't even believe that Marxism could be done in every country. He thought some countries would be better for it than others. He thought America would be good for it. He would, side note, Republicans used to be pretty Marxist. In fact, Karl Marx used to write fan letters to Abraham Lincoln, who he thought was the bomb. Abraham Lincoln, like Marx loved Abraham Lincoln. He thought he was like one of the best politicians around. Needs become demands and demand. <sighs> you know how many things we demand in our society that are actually just wants? So many things, so many things, so many things. become rights, the best. Are, are you saying that we are not entitled to our rights? Because technically, if we're entitled to our rights, that means we, when we're defending ourselves, we can demand our rights. What the fuck are you talking about? Best are mocked and the worst exalted. Innovation withers. Okay, so these I, I see where he's going now. He's just trying to make shit sound scary. While the government grows... There's no evidence that innovation would... There's no, there's no evidence that innova, innovation would go down. It's ever larger. Eventually, the productive become virtual slaves to the unproductive. <sighs> okay. So, things like Marxism and intersectionality would actually tell you that anyone can be productive. 
and that it's really just a matter of finding the place in a world that a person can be productive. Also, when we say the unproductive, who are we talking about? Are we talking about the mentally ill? Are we talking about the elderly? Are we talking about small children? Are we talking about people with mental, Ill mental and physical illnesses or disabilities? Who are the unproductive traditionalists? Because that's what Prager U is. They're a traditionalist propaganda page that sells you lies and fear. Who are the unproductive? If you can't answer that question, you might just be fear-mongering. And the society collapses economically, intellectually, and morally. And there's no basis for any of those things. Our society declined pretty dramatically morally <laughs> under fucking capitalism, bruv. So let's, let's not pretend. And then the real horror starts. Then the real horror starts, coming to a theater near you. If you think I'm exaggerating, just ask someone who fled the Soviet Union or Cuba or Venezuela. Just ask someone who, f who fled a dictatorial authoritarian government. They'll tell you. They'll tell you. No shit they'd tell you that. They wouldn't have moved here if it was working out for them. Villa. For all its risk and inequities, they prefer freedom. They prefer not living in a country where people are uh, persecuting them, which is technically a form of freedom. I wonder why this, all, however, I wonder why this doesn't apply to the Venezuelans trying to cross the border to claim sanctuary here. I wonder why it's not applying it to that. It's weird, you know, right? Because. Venezuela was socialist, but yet we don't want to let their people in? Huh. Seems like the Republicans are missing out on a voter block there, but, you know. Whatever. And we should, too. I'm Brad Thompson, professor of political science at Clemson University for Prager University. Why is there a thing in the... Engraved on Karl Marx's tombstone in Highgate Cemetery in North London are am the I following watching, words. Oh, am I watching all three in The one? philosophers have only interpreted the world in various ways. The point, however, is to change it. Substitute the word Of course you want to change. All progress, all technology, all innovation revolves around changing the world. I don't, he's just making normal things sound scary. Professor for the word philosopher. We really don't have philosophers anymore and you get right. We have philosophers, just no one cares about them because you, you people just talk about how it's a worthless degree all the time. To the core of Marx's enduring attraction to the contemporary world. Marx demands that the intellectual class, the professors of law, sociology, history, women's studies, anthropology, journalism, and so on, come out of the ivory tower and join the barricades to see themselves not as the preservers of the dusty past, but the creators of a new and glorious future. Wait, I'm I am confused now. Isn't the traditionalist conservative complaint against academia that they're in ivory towers? Isn't that why people like you hate liberal education? What I what? 
the lure has proven to be very strong, and it's not hard to understand why. How much more meaningful, exciting, and romantic to see yourself as an agent of change. Don't be, don't be different. Conform! Rather than a mere academic. How much? A mere academic. <laughs> like, literally, literally, they're just like, fuck the educated. I'm gonna shit on you. You're nobody. How dare you want to learn things? Ugh. You're nobody. You're lazy. You're unproductive. How dare you want to learn and teach things? Ugh. Gross. Like, what the f- <laughs> Or Fraser University. Fuck real education. How much more meaningful, exciting, and romantic to see the young people who fill up your classroom as potential soldiers in the cause? <sighs> okay, so I went to college. And I, and I, I, there was never a point where I was in a class, whether it be political, philosophical, or artistic, where I really felt like the professor was pushing their politics on me. And like one of my favorite professors, even like when I had a conversation with her, described herself as a materialist, um, which is what a lot of socialists are. Um, but she never tried to push any type of politics on me. Um, none, of the, none of the political professors I ever worked with uh, ever tried to push any political opinions onto me. I will say there was one guy at my college who I never had a class with him, but uh, he did turn out to be uh, uh, connected to uh, like Islamic, ins Islamic insurgents. Wild dude. And Cuban, weirdly enough. Send them into the world with the same revolutionary spirit, the same disgust toward bourgeois middle-class values that... The middle class is not bourgeois. The middle class can't be... What the fuck? You feel, and you've done your job. I mean, you have to understand that, like, first of all, there's barely middle class left in America, and, and bourgeois strictly refers to, like, the rich, flaky people. And we must give these lecture hall revolutionaries. When, when I say flaky, I'm referring to how good they taste when you eat them. Very flaky meat. They're due. Look around. For the most part, they've succeeded. At what? At what? Because some professors who went into academia to avoid the Vietnam War turned out to be giant liberals? I don't understand what you're talking about, man. This is not a weird conspiracy. Drill into any current leftist movement environmentalism critical race okay i just want to say the cartoon is literally a fracking machine drilling down through environmentalism CRT, theory the massive expansion of the welfare state. state fun fact republicans pass more entitlement programs than democrats because in, well because they don't really care and they just use the welfare state as a way to slam democrats and not only that but they block democrats attempts to create these uh, estate, these uh, entitlement programs. But then the Republicans will pass their own and the Democrats don't want to stop entitlement programs. So they just let the, de the Republicans get away with whatever they want. Weird, huh? Not to mention diversity, equity, and inclusion offices at every university. Okay, because those things are important for education to make sure that education is making its proper contribution to society, okay? Um, college is a place that should have diversity, equity, and inclusion because it's education.
because it's learning how to succeed in our society. Don't be fucking stupid, Prager you. You want college to be diverse so that the, when you go to college, you have the opportunity to meet many different types of people. You want it to be equitable because you want people to have the ability to go to fucking college, regardless who they are, what their background is, or what type of abilities they have. And inclusion. Yeah, people should be included in college. Inclusion is good. Who do you not want to include, Prager You? Who do you not want to include? And a major corporation, and you will find Marxism at its core. I've never seen that anywhere. Uh, every major corporation I've ever... Out of the major corporations that I've worked for, they were pretty fucking capitalists. A contempt of the Enlightenment and the Judeo-Christian value system. Did you... The traditionalist values are in contempt of the Enlightenment. What part of the Enlightenment do you like? The, the concepts of, of using reason, logic, and evidence to support things? What? The democracy? Like, what? I already debunked this one. He said it in From both which ones. capitalism springs. Marx's most famous call... There is nothing... There's no reason, there's nothing in Judeo-Christian values to suggest that they are pro-capitalist or that it should, that capitalism should spring from it. Call to action. Workers of the world unite was not, of course, to the professoriate, but to the laboring class. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, wait. Are educators not technically committing an act of labor in educating people? Oh, I get it. You don't want us to think of teachers as being a job. Oh, wow. Wow, Prager used the upside down. That didn't work out so well. Workers, especially in the United States, turned out to be more interested in refrigerators than revolutions. The only barricade they were... Yeah, because America spent like a fucking decade making sure that communism was the scariest shit on the planet. I'm talking about the 50s, when they outright persecuted anyone who had ever said anything in America, even remotely communistic or Marxist. They fucking blackballed them from, they ruined their careers, they would blackball them from jobs, and they would, some of them went to prison. We talk all the day about, all the time about canceling people now, but the truth is, in the 1950s, we canceled people for being Marxist. And, and, there, has, and there has been a steady movement in this country to make you afraid of Marxism even though it's literally just an idea. They were passionate about was a white picket fence in front of a green suburban. My ideas were more popular. That's the argument I'm making here. White picket fence, white people. That's the argument he's making. That's all I'm saying. Lawn. Poor, benighted souls, the appeal of Marxism. The appeal of material wealth, which is corrupting, is also what people want, not what they need. Oh my God, like. Philosophically, this guy is a fucking moron. Was somehow lost on them. Maybe because they didn't go to college. But the intellectual... Actually, kind of. Uh, there's a real big problem that intellectual concepts are not taught well in any grade or, or educational area outside of college. It's a problem. We should teach philosophy in high school. We should teach government in high school of course they stopped teaching government in high school 
because they realized it gave people the idea that they could protest. class never lost faith, even after. There are so many right-wing intellectuals. It's such a bad take. Stalin, even after Mao, even after Castro wrecked Cuba, even after. Cuba is still a functioning society, and Cuba's, most of Cuba's economic hardships were a result of American embargoes that, that cut them off from the economies of the world. Just saying. I'm not saying Cuba's perfect. I'm just saying they technically survived all that bullshit. After Pol Pot murdered millions of his Pol Pot's a bad dude. There's nothing to say about that. Fellow Cambodians, even after Hugo Chavez destroyed the strongest economy in South America. They had a strong economy because of oil. And they put all their eggs in one oil basket, and when it got fucked up, it fucked their entire society. That's what happened, just so you're aware. The academic elite remained true believers. Because why would I associate any of those people with actual Marxism? And also, prove to me that our professors are largely Marxist. I've met maybe a couple. Indeed, in a world without faith, where God is dead, Marxism has been. <sighs> it's funny that he would use this example, that he would say this, even though that Cuba, a lot of Cuba's success is, is considered to be part of the fact that they um, have freedom of religion in Cuba. Did you know that? Fun fact become, in effect, a substitute religion. Technically, the word ism, the ISM on the end of words, means religion. Anything with ISM at the end of the word technically means religion. In America, our main religion is capitalism. One of the major strengths of Marxism, in contrast to both modern liberalism and conservatism, is the unyielding commitment of its followers to this. Oh my God. The unsaid, like, conservatives, the, the people who don't believe in compromise and therefore don't actually believe in democracy or politics, are hardcore believers that don't need anything to be rational. This faith, to bear witness to it and to act on it. It summons these followers to join a crusade to destroy the evil that is capitalism and to- I just, Marx thought capitalism was a necessary step in the evolution towards communism. So this, it, this is just a distortion. Create the good that is communism. In our secular world, the Marxist ideal gives the Marxist true Secularism protects your freedom of religion, just so you're aware. A secular society, you have the right to choose the religion you want. You just aren't allowed to force it on others. Believer, a reason to live, a reason to die, and a reason to kill. As if our society doesn't give you reasons for these things all the time. As if we don't make up reasons to kill in capitalism. Just absolute. The dishonesty of this video is shocking. Monsters like Lenin, Stalin, Mao, 
Kim Il-sung, Ho Chi Minh, and Pol Pot took... We get it. The world had some fucky, shitty, some fucking shitty dictators who just happened to think that communism would be the thing to get people behind them. I, we get it. This to the nth degree and murdered... He wants to make it sound as scary as, as fascism. Millions. For the technically, those governments were fascist, by the way. Just technically. The record, the latter two were politically educated in France. Pol That's impressive considering how poor Pol Pot's country is. Or was. I don't know what they are now. Pot studied at the Sorbonne. If you think I'm exaggerating the evils of... These guys got an education in the West where they were Marxist teachers. That's why they did the things they did. That's what he's implying. Marxism. If you think Stalin and those other guys got communism wrong, but your new democratic socialism will get it right. So just right there. So let's talk about the word democratic socialism. Democratic socialism, by definition, means that you don't think violence and tyranny are necessary to implement socialism. So democratic socialism literally means you believe that socialism is attainable via nonviolent political action. So you cannot accuse anyone who is truly democratically socialist of wanting violence. If they say they're, if they want violence and they say they're democratic socialist, then they're not a real democratic socialist. He's just using that word because he wants to put it on the, um, under the scary umbrella with all the other fucking words he's used. Think again. Marxism leads a society toward a fixed goal, a utopian vision of pure freedom in which the individual is liberated from the false consciousness of capitalism. Once again, Marx did not believe in utopias. Unfortunately, by Marx's own definition, the path to this utopia requires the destruction economically, politically, and morally. No, no. <laughs> okay, second of all, uh, first of all, Marx clearly believes in politics. Second of all, he wanted to harness economic systems, but most important of all, Marx was not, did not believe in destroying morals. In fact, Marx commented that the thing he liked about religion is that it taught good morals about selflessness to people. He liked the way that religion could, could help people understand these concepts. That was a thing he, he thought that was, he thought it was good that religion taught morals. He didn't believe, he believed that religion ultimately held back the working class because it kept them blind to their own suffering, but he did think it was good that they touched morals and that they thought it was important to take care of the poor. He thought those things about religion were very good. So Marx believed in morals. Marx had morals. This concept of our country being degraded by Marxism morally is a scare tactic to make people of traditionalist values feel scared about all the changes going on in our society as we as our morals continue to shift and grow a thing it needs to be noted has been true throughout 
morality and of true of morality throughout all of history of every vestige of civilization as we know it economically marxism seeks to destroy free enterprise the no technically a socialist enterprise is still free it just doesn't have a leader vision of labor profit and loss profit and loss is a fucked up shit that is hugely hugely detrimental to our society and holds us back if you don't understand this and you don't understand all the things in life that we have been held back both scientifically or economically by people being unwilling to pay for the thing to improve everyday people's state of living if you think that then you if you think that profit versus loss is good then you don't understand how much destruction and death it has wrought on our society petition and material wealth <sighs> jesus politically it seeks to destroy the rule of law okay technically in a fully democratic society there is still law it's just law that we all agree on <sighs> separation of powers if you make your workplace democratic it's technically not a separation of powers it's a spreading of power to everyone so that all the power is connected you jesus christ and freedom of speech why would it destroy freedom of speech why would it destroy freedom of speech what in here has even implied the death of freedom of speech what makes you think marxism is bad for freedom of speech never mind the fact that at one point the 50s marxism was heavily censored by the was heavily censored and punished even though our freedom of speech should have protected those people from the prosecute persecution they received morally it seeks to destroy individual <sighs> no no that the conservatives are hijacking the word individualist and trying to get you to ignore the fact that marx remember the marx explanation of you being able to do whatever you want that's an expression of individualism <sighs> remember that remember i said remember that from the beginning of the video because this guy he's not dualism religious liberty and independent thought well, no Demo democracy improves these things the democracy that would come through true marxism would improve these things not destroy them there's no reason to believe that having democratic workplaces would destroy these things and on top of this rubble it builds the all-powerful state ruled by an all-powerful no no it's like you've never read dust capital and i even haven't read all of dust capital but i've read enough of dust capital to Fucking debunk your video, you goddamn idiot. Powerful elite. This is why the communist 1%, the true 1%, must use. This is not a part of Marxism. The full power of the state to force the 99. There's no state in Marxism. 9%, the true 99%, to become something they are not and do not want to be. You mean like 
how the traditionalists are going to force women to be mothers. And if that doesn't work, the secular philosophy of brotherly love simply intimidates into silence and ultimately liquidates as much. What? What is this? What? Of the 99% as is necessary to keep everybody in line. Communism is a form of anarchism. It's not about keeping people in line. It's about creating a society where people have the ability to contribute freely. Censorship, secret police, and re-education. These things are not in Marxism. Marx never endorsed these things. Camps. These are not bugs in it. Those are literally things we have in America. Literally things we have in America. Unironically, right now, under capitalism. Ruben, I don't think we have secret police. Bitch, do you even know how many different types of police we have? In an imperfect system, they are features, oh, critical it's parts of its text. design. In short, the problem with Marxism has been and always will be Marxism. The problem with being a human has been and always will be being human. It's a circular argument that means nothing. Too bad the academic establishment has yet to figure this out. Except for me, because I'm a college professor. Blah, 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 blah. Look at my nerdy glasses. Look at my haircut. See how it's cut off this swoop? Oh, you can't see this, but it do he does have like, like he has a, he, he literally had, like, I don't know if he's covering up a bald spot, but like he has an edgy teenager haircut, but it's like on an old dude. Got his top button on button too. Like, what? You trying to look cool, man? Are you insecure? Who did this makeup? Or even worse, maybe they have. I'm Brad Thompson, professor of political science at Clemson University for Prager University. Thank you for watching this video. Hold to on. keep What the fuck is Clemson University? Okay. <sighs> All right, let's hear what it is. Clemson University. Do you have a Wikipedia page, Clemson? There we go. All right, let's find out where this motherfucker's from and all about. Please give money to Wikipedia. Sorry, Wikipedia, but I don't have time for that right now. I'm making a video. Okay. Clemson University is a public land-grant research university in Clemson, South Carolina, founded in 1889. Clemson is, a, is the second largest university in student population in South Carolina. For the fall 2019 semester, the university enrolled a blah, 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 blah. Clemson University consists of seven colleges, agriculture, forestry, life science, architecture, arts, and humanity. Which means... <laughs> which means that he... That, he's an, that he is... He's a, he's a humanities professor. What a liberal soy-drinking cuck. Am I right, guys? Am I right? All right, where was I? The Wilbur Owen and Powers College of Business, Behavioral, Social, and Health Science, edu Education, Engineering, Computing, Applied Science. Wait, this is... This is... 
Uh, let's see here, wait, huh? Computing and Applied Sciences. Yeah, no, none of these are, none of the schools are specifically political. Clemson University is classified among R1 doctoral universities, very high research activity. Okay. All right, that means nothing for a political science teacher. It's not like they study shit, clearly. Okay, they got, their team is the Tiger, I mean the Tigers or something. Oh no, the nickname of them is the, oh no, their mascot is a tiger. They have a cub too? What the fuck? Accreditation, SACS, actually, what is SACS? South, Southern Association of Colleges and Schools is an educational accreditor recognized by the United States Department of Education and the Council of High Education Accreditation. Okay. Their endowment is $1.007 billion. President is James P. Clement. Clements. This originally was an agriculture school, if I'm understanding this correctly. Uh, Thomas Clemson. All right, okay. Okay, so it looks like... Uh, so it looks like it's a fairly uh, reputable college. I wanted to make sure, see if they weren't just pulling out their fake experts. I j like... No, seriously, that man has never read Das Capital. Like, it's... Like... So here's the thing, man. Here's the thing. The thing about it is, at the end of the day, this guy from Prager U is either uh, lying or someone who is somehow too stupid to be a professor. And that's, uh, that's about the sum of it. Well, anyways, I'm Ruben Ryan. Here to tell you, the Prager U is a bunch of bullshit. Thank you for joining me, Dennis Prager, in a very special video called Why the Marxists Don't Want You to Have Slaves Anymore.